Our scripture reading this evening is from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, reading from verse 12 to verse 21. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 1. It's headed, The Advance of the Gospel. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul's writing from the prison at Rome. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from good will the latter do it out of love knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel the former proclaim Christ out of rivalry not sincerely but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment what then only that in every way whether in pretense or in truth Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice yes I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honoured in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. I'll invite Gordon to come and speak to us. Well, it's good to be with you tonight. (coughs) I hope you'd... uh, a lovely <clears throat> afternoon. I can honestly say the people I was with today, I really felt fed up. <laughs> I'm glad you got that one. You get it? Fed up. I was well looked after with food I'm talking about. Uh, we had a lovely afternoon. And uh, uh, Alec has got a man, he's a man after one heart. He likes chocolate. So that came out quite regular. So that was very pleasing to the taste buds. But it's good to come on a Sunday night, isn't it? And to rejoice in the Lord and to give God thanks for how good is the God we adore. I was just thinking about your door-to-door and uh, how it'll be amazing. You'll have an amazing time uh, going around the doors and it'll be, you'll be surprised about all the conversations you will have if you've got a, a thousand leaflets. Because behind a lot of doors, there's a lot of people hurting. And sometimes a lot of people... Hide the hearts. And I, I would like to tell you about a, a lady who <clears throat> lived in Drumchapel. And we met her. And we actually got involved with her kids. She had two girls and a boy. And the kids used to come to church. We, in the winter, they'd come with very little on. And, and anyway, we helped them practically and all that sort of stuff. And the mum and dad were chronic alcoholics. And really in a bad way with alcohol. And so what happened is... Uh, Wilma started coming to the church. That was a, Wilma was a mum, and Wilma uh, just the way she lived, just 
it was shown in her body. Uh, she was all scabs. She, she looked terrible. And uh, just her hair and everything looked terrible. And, you know, and you come across a lot of people in the doors and they maybe look terrible. But they're not terrible in God's eyes. And Wilbur started coming into Drum Chapel Baptist Church. And I'm a, a happy bappy. I, I usually cuddle. And uh, we give Wilma a cuddle. When she comes in, we give her a cuddle. I know she says this. She says, Gordon, it's only in the church people will cuddle me. It's only in the church people will cuddle me. Because unfortunately, outside the church, people made fun of her. And would say rude things about her. That Wilma was a lovely person and she just needed Jesus. Well, I remember going up and visiting her many times. And anyway, one of the times I went in to visit her. And uh, just God had been working in her heart. And Wilma wanted to become a Christian. And uh, she was totally addicted. It was cider she drank. She drank gallons a day. And she was totally addicted to cider. And anyway, in her living room, we came... And we cried out to God for God to save her. And Wilma came and surrendered her life to the Lord. It was absolutely beautiful. Just the, the change in her life and how she gets set free from the drink. It was absolutely wonderful. But I remember saying to her, Wilma, you need to start telling your husband now about Jesus. Because he needs to get saved. And you know what she says? I so I will. She says, I'm not telling him about Jesus. I don't want him to go to heaven. <laughs> she says, there's no way I'm telling him about Jesus. He is not going to heaven, Gordon. He can go to hell, because I'm not interested. She was a new Christian. And she wasn't thinking that. She says, well, well, you need to tell him about the Lord Jesus, because he needs the Lord as well. And that's what I'm saying. When you go around the doors, there'll be people that you'll mix and mingle with, and at the end of the day, they're broken, broken people. And they need Jesus. And there's many people behind the doors and they hide their broken heart. They can hide it. But isn't it wonderful? We can go with a message that can change and transform them with the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I wish you well on your door to turn. I hope you have a wonderful problem with the amount of people that come into church. Uh, but we're here to turn to God's word. And before we turn to God's word, let's just... Have a, a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the students from the Edinburgh Bible College that are willing to come up and give time to get round the doors. And we thank you, you know who they're going to be talking to already. And we do pray, Lord, that you prepare hearts, that you prepare minds. And even as it comes to Christmas, there's many people and it puts even extra pressure on them because financially they can't keep up with what happens at Christmas time. And Lord, I do pray that it'll be a really an amazing time that there'll be people who'll hear about Jesus, men and women and boys and girls, but they'll not only hear about Jesus, but they'll come and put their faith and trust in Christ. We pray that it'll be a great time of harvest as they go around the doors and talk about the reason for the season. Talk about the Lord Jesus Christ who came into the world to die on the cross for sinners. And as we come before you, Lord, we do pray for that carol service, that this place would be full of people who need to hear 
the best message and about the best gift in the world that Christ Jesus came into the world to pay the price of our sins upon the cross of Calvary. So bless and anoint that time and may there be a great, great rejoicing in heaven over sinners coming and getting right with you. We pray you continue to be with us, that you'd encourage us as we turn to your word. We need help. We need your help this evening. And we pray that you just minister to each one of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Up the back of the church here, your notice board, uh, you've got a wee saying that says, only one life and it will soon be passed and only what is done for Christ will last. Only one life and it will soon be passed and only what is done for Christ will last. And I, I forget who it actually was that said that, but isn't it wonderful? It's so true. We've only one life and it will soon be passed and only what is done for Christ will last. And you know something, I believe, though it wasn't when the Apostle Paul was about, but I believe that was what the Lord, uh, the Apostle Paul was like. He, when he got converted, he wanted to live for the glory of God. He wanted to live for God's glory. And in verse 21, that, that wonderful verse, he says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And even though Paul was in prison, and even though Paul was chained, and even though Paul had been beat up and everything, he still wanted to live for the glory of God. He still wanted to live for God's glory. And everything that happened in his life, he looked for the fingerprints of God. He wanted to praise God in everything in his life. And wouldn't that be great? If we'd more of that type of attitude in churches today, that in all our circumstances we look for the glory of God, we look for the fingerprints of God. Because sometimes in life there is difficult times, there is hard times, but we need to look for God's help and strengthen it. It's like the the lady in Northern Ireland. Uh, there was a split in a church, and I remember hearing the preacher telling us about this. There was a split in a church in Northern Ireland. And do you know why there was a split in the church? It wasn't over because of some folk were Calvinists or some folk were Arminian. It wasn't over the second coming of Christ. Do you know what it was over? This lady, when they used to do uh, functions, like when you're having your finger food, uh, she would do home baking. And every time they'd do home baking, her home baking was never eaten. And it was always left. Now, if that was me, I would question my, my, the way I make things. I wouldn't cause a fight. And it caused a fight in a church, and the church actually split. Isn't that sad? You know, out of some home baking, it caused a complete division in the church. How, how childish when the folk dying and going to lost eternity. But here is the Apostle Paul. And he says, For me to live... Is Christ and to die is gain. And even when he was in change, he was still preaching Christ. And even when he was beat up, he was still preaching Christ. And even though he was in this prison, he was still preaching Christ. And whatever happened to him, he preached Christ. In all the circumstances, he wanted to preach the glory of the Lord. And I think today that in our life as Christians, things can happen to us. 
and it's wanting to preach the glory of God even through what happens in our life. I remember a lady in Drumchapel, uh, her husband was very highly thought of, and uh, this woman says to us um, one day, I'm not talking to him. Now, I thought she was talking about her husband, which I could rightly understand. Uh, she says, I'm not talking to him. And I says, uh, who, who are you not talking to? She says, God. I'm not talking to God. I've asked him to, uh, I've prayed about something, and I've asked him to answer my prayers, and he's not answered them, so I'm not talking to him. And I says, well, you don't, you don't talk about God like that. You're talking about the God who says, let there be and there was, the one who inhabits eternity and whose name is holy. You don't talk like, I'm not talking to God because he's not answering my prayers. And isn't it true, sometimes people only want to praise God when the sun is shining in their life, when things are going well. But when the difficulties come in, they want to run. And they abandon what they really believe in. I remember, and I was just going into my third year at Baptist College, and if you know my testimony, when my wee brother was murdered, uh, I was just heading into my third year at Baptist College, and I got a phone call at five to eight on a Sunday morning. My dad saying to me, Gordon, he's sitting down. John, he was only 27 years of age. John was murdered last night. He's lying up in the morgue in the law hospital. And my heart was absolutely broken. Broken. But even in the brokenness, I remember travelling, I was helping at Airdrie Baptist, and I was staying with my mum, my mum in Motherwell at the time, and I had to travel to Airdrie, and going from Motherwell to Airdrie, Caffin, where, where he was murdered, tra- driving by there, and I remember one time breaking my heart, crying, and singing, we bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Weeping and weeping and weeping, but singing, we bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And I believe in our life, sometimes things happen in our life we don't know why, but God wants us to live for his glory. And Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And Paul says, for me to live. Paul knew God in a personal way. Paul says, for me to live. And isn't it wonderful tonight if we're here and we know and love the Lord, isn't it great to know God in a personal way? That if you know, if you're here and you're saved, it's wonderful to know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That God knows all about you. I think that's wonderful to, to know that you're saved, to know that you're secure and your name's written in heaven. That we know God in a personal way. Paul knew the presence and the power of God because he knew him in a personal way. And that's what makes a difference. When we are Christians and we know and love the Lord, we don't need to rob ourselves. So often, sometimes in our Christian life, we can rob ourselves because we don't stand in the promises of God. Because all the promises of God are yes and amen. And we can stand in the promises of God and we know him and love him in a personal way. It's wonderful to know that all of God's promises are ours in Christ Jesus. We don't need to uh, struggle. We don't need to 
uh, panic about the future because God is in control. God is looking after us. You know, <clears throat> remember the, the Lockerbie disaster? Well, my, I had a, I've got a friend who is a policeman and uh, he, he was involved in tidying up when it happened. And he was telling us that they, they found someone and that's the way they were. They found, and their fingers were closed like that. And they found someone else and their hand was closed like that. And when they opened it up, there was a cross, it was actually a crucifix, it was in their hand. So there's somebody there with their fingers crossed, there's somebody there with a crucifix in their hand. And isn't it wonderful that what we need to hold on to is the promises of God? Because every single one of us in here, our faces differ and so does our needs. And in our family, and in our home, and in our circumstances, there's all different situations we find ourselves in, but we have nothing to worry about because we're the apple of his eye and we're in the palm of his hand. And if we know him personally, the Apostle Paul could say, for me, he knew God in a personal way. And that is absolutely <coughs> powerful because he says, for me to live is Christ, to live is Christ. You see, the Apostle Paul, he wasn't living for himself. He was living for the glory of God. He wanted his life to be lived for God's glory. No matter what the cost was, he was living for the glory of God. For me to live is Christ. I remember hearing about a man in Northern Ireland, and he was a young fellow, and I'm, I'm talking about maybe, it could be 15 years ago, maybe more than 15 years ago, and this young Christian man was saving up and he was going without a lot of things in his life because he was saving up. And he saved up £150, or it was maybe more, more than £150. And you know what he's saving up for? A pair of jeans. A pair of designer jeans. Imagine that was your goal in life. To go without a lot of things to buy a pair of designer jeans. Asda, George, you got a good pair for a tenner. I've had loads of them and their shoes. But imagine that was your goal as a Christian, to save up your money. Now, I'm talking about 15 years ago, 150, it's a lot of money now. But then, a pair of jeans, and that was his goal. How empty. Now, David says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or having to beg for bread. Hallelujah, God looks after us. And sometimes God fills our cup to overflowing. God is kind his children but when we know God personally we want to live for him and here is Paul and he says for him to live was Christ he wanted to live for the glory of God that was his aim and that was his goal in his life and you think of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego uh, when they were in the fire uh, who is with them? He says there's, there's four people in the fire. We think of Daniel in the lion's den, who I believe God was with him because God shut the, the lion's mouth. We think, think of Stephen when he was stoned. Hey, God, God was with him. And isn't it true, if you stop and if you look back in your life and you look at all your circumstances, things you're worried about, I'm sure you could say that God was with us. 
There's things you've panicked about. And you're thinking, why did I worry about that? Because God got you through it. And God looked after you. You know, I could take you to a place in Muir House. I sometimes go back to Muir House where I was born and brought up. Because I like to go back there and go back to my roots and walk round about there and remind me of things when I was a wee boy. Because I was a frightened wee boy. You know, I was brought up in a divorced home. My mum an alcoholic. It's clinical depression and all that. And a lot of fears when I was young. And a lot of just... Anyway, we went without a lot. And so a lot of panic sort of stuff. So I like to get back there. And I remember standing at certain places in your house and thinking, what's going to happen to me when I grow up? Because I can't read. And I can't write. And I could take you to the close where I was brought up in. And in the close... I could take it to four tiles in the floor where I roughly stood and I just thought as a wee boy, probably seven, eight or nine. And a tramp used to come travel Scotland and that was the days it was a tramp would travel and um, he used to stop in at our block and we'd a drying green and sleep in there for a wee while before we give food and all that, then move on. And uh, I used to think, I'm going to be like that tramp. I'm not going to be able to work. What am I going to be able to do? Because I can't read, can't write. And all these fears that went through my heart and I can still remember how I felt. But isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that God knew my future? And God knew what he was going to do with my, my life. And he knows everything about you. He knows the past, the present, the future. And maybe you're in here tonight and you're worried about something. And we have nothing to be worried about. Because we just need to surrender it to him. And Paul could say, for me to live is Christ. Because sometimes when we hold on to worry, worry can hinder the future. Worry can block out the blessing of God. Because we're so worried about stuff. We're so worried about this and so worried about that. It, we lose the joy of the Lord. We lose God's joy in our heart. And yet God has told us we've nothing to worry about. If we know him and love him, we've nothing to worry about. And it's easy to say that. But it's harder to live it. It's harder to live it for our family, for our friends, for our circumstances. And I think Paul was so powerful when he says that for him to live it's Christ. I, I'm going to tell you something about my wife. And I can tell you because she's not here. Uh, we, we were in the Baptist Mans, right? We lived in the Baptist Mans. I was a Baptist minister for 17 years and we, we rented the house, the man's after it. We went into Faith Mission. <coughs> Faith Mission were looking for a house for us. We couldn't get a house, couldn't get a house and all that sort of stuff. And then what happened is we looked at loads of houses we were feeling very stressed because we needed a house because they had to sell the Baptist manse because of this pension disaster. They had to sell it so they could pay off the pension what they owed and then they're buying a, a warehouse and all that sort of stuff. So we had to move out and we're looking for a house. I've got two girls and it was a bit of a panic, right? So anyway, at the end of the day, God provided a house for the faith mission to buy. And it's a lovely house. It's a really, really nice house and it's... The manse was damp, cold, but it was our house. We loved it. Uh, no insulation, 
But this house now is insulation and all that. So we just get the keys of this new house, right? I says to Janice, isn't this brilliant? Just get the keys of a lovely house that Faith Mission bought for us to live in. I know my wife says, ah, but where are we going to go in 12 years when we retire? Because <laughs> <laughs> we've not got a house. I says, Janice, God has just provided a house for us. That's 12 years down the road. Let's just enjoy it. But how often are we like that? God had provided a beautiful home for us to live in. And my wife's thinking, ah, but when we retire, where are we going to go? What's going to happen when we retire? How often do we like that? We're looking for something to worry about. And the reason I say that is because so often in our life, we rob ourselves of the peace and the joy that God wants to give us. What did Jesus say to his disciples? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, and you believe also in me. So Paul says, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He knew God personally, and because he knew God personally, he wanted to live this powerful Christian life, and he lived for the glory of God. As I said before, God is no favourites. And God wants you to live for his glory. And we can live for the glory of the Lord in our life. And there's, there's nothing more powerful than seeing someone live for the glory of God. Seeing someone who has just surrendered their life to him and wanted to live for God's glory. And isn't it beautiful that God wants to use you and God wants to use me. And all we need to do is say, surrender our life to him and say, God, I want my life to be used for your glory. Only one life and it will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. I had the privilege, my Auntie Mary uh, was not well and she was in uh, Wishel General Hospital and my wife and I prayed that I'd get to see my auntie herself because uh, her son was up from London, her daughter was over from America, and the, the rest of the family can look in ones in Lanark. So they're all five kids, and they're all unseen and all that. But we wanted to speak to Manti Mary herself, and uh, <clears throat> so we did pray and go over to the hospital, and uh, I got into the room, and there was only a nurse there, and the nurse was only there for a couple of minutes, and I got to speak to Manti Mary. I says, Auntie Mary. You know my life, you know my past, you know what way I was brought up, and you know everything about me, and you know what's happened in my life because of Jesus. And Mary, you're no well, and you're dying, and you've got to stand before him, and you need to get ready. You know, Mary, Mary says, all these years, Gordon, running around and what for? All these years running around and what for? And I had the privilege of praying with Auntie Mary and she wanted to, she said, I want to know that my sins are forgiven. And Auntie Mary came and gave her life to the Lord in Wishaw General Hospital and surrendered her life to God. And to be able to stand up at a funeral, I took her funeral, and to be able to stand up and say, my Auntie Mary in her deathbed says, 
all these years of running around and what for. And in her deathbed, she met with God and she died about three days later. And I want to say, in your life, whatever's going on, whatever's happening, surrender it. Surrender it to the Lord because God is able. Because so often we can rob ourselves of the joy and the peace of God. Because we're so stressed out and struggling with maybe things that's happening. That we rob ourselves of the peace and the joy of the Lord. Remember when Peter stepped out of the boat? What happened when Peter stepped out of the boat? When he kept his eyes in Jesus, he could walk in water. But as soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at the waves, what did he do? What am I doing here? I shouldn't be here. He started to sink because he took his eyes off of Jesus and looked round about him to circumstances and he started to sink. And Jesus went, oh, you have little faith. I want to tell you there's been many times in my life I've taken my eyes off of Jesus and I've turned my eyes to my circumstances. I've turned my eyes to my situation I find myself in and it pulls you down rather than lifts you up. It weakens you rather than gives you strength. And I believe tonight, as Paul says, for me to live is Christ. If we know and love the Lord personally, we can know that peace in our heart, that we can live for the glory of God. And there's nothing going to happen to us that the Lord already knows is going to happen. There's nothing good to happen to us that the Lord doesn't already know. You know, uh, <clears throat> I'm dyslexic, and my reading abilities are a 12-year-old. And uh, when I was a wee boy, I had to... I remember my mates used to go to a school, uh, it was actually the Roman Catholic school, and they had a youth fellowship, and all my mates would go to there on a Friday night. But I wouldn't go. You know why I wouldn't go? I wanted to go. Do you know why I wouldn't go? Because in the door, when you're in, you to write down your name and write down your address, and I couldn't do that. And I thought, I can't walk in there, I can't be bothered with that. But I couldn't go because I couldn't write my name and address. And all my pals are in there playing and I wanted to get in there. But I was so frightened that I couldn't write my name and address that I didn't want to be embarrassed. There's times of just the fear that come over my life because of my lack of ability. <coughs> and then I met Jesus. And now I've accepted myself for the way I am and the way that he's knitted me together in my mother's womb. And now I don't care. Who knows? I'm dyslexic. Because I know who I am in Christ. I'm just being honest with you. What about you? Sometimes there's things in our heart that we don't want people to know about. Or there's things in our past we don't want people to know about. But God knows everything. And praise God for the blood of Jesus who cleanses us. And praise God for the blood of Jesus who helps us and cleanses us and makes us like newly driven snow. And praise God for the power of Jesus that he wants to use you and me. We are nothing, but God is everything. And God wants us to walk by faith, not by sight. 
And you know, when we were in Drumchapel Baptist, uh, I don't know who the architect was in the Baptist Union years ago, but he designed, I hope he's not here, by the way. There's no any architects in here, no? No, we're all right then. Uh, he used to design flat roofs. Flat, who designs flat roofs in Scotland? Well, we had a flat roof in Drumchapel. And I used to say we were the poshest church in Glasgow. We had our own private swimming pool on the roof. Because <laughs> it was a brick round about it. And the water used to be that deep. And you walk into church and the church was stinking. It's just stale water. It would drip here and a drip there and a drip here. Buckets everywhere. And the place was stinking. You know, just smelly because of the water coming in. I remember one time saying to Deacons, we need to take a step of faith. We really need to believe that God is going to provide uh, because we couldn't even afford the minister. Uh, I was on a, a, the lowest, the basic, but also the Baptist Union had to help us. Um, so we took a step of faith, right? We, we couldn't even afford the minister. We took a step of faith. You know how much a new roof cost? £68,000. And God brought it in. And I'm talking years ago, good many years ago, and God brought every penny in. Every penny. And not only every penny, he brought 70 odd thousand in because we tithed the money as well. And the tithe came in as well. And we paid the whole, the whole job was paid for. And see the woman I was telling you about who came in, Wilma, and she had two kids. Well, one of her girls, Helen, brought in a wee pink purse, and I've still got it. A wee pink plastic purse and she says Gordon that's for your roof fund roof fund and do you know how much was in it 32 pence and that really touched my heart and I kept I've stopped I've kept that wee purse because that means uh, the world to me there was people who put in 10,000 we got a couple of 10,000 we got a couple of 5,000 we got thousands it just came in but that 32 pence was just as valuable as the 10 grands as well and God provided for us. Now, why am I telling you that? Because a lady in another church, I'm not telling you the name of the church, says, Gordon, the difference with our church and the difference with Drumchapel Baptist Church is when they want something, they pray about it. The difference with our church is they'll not do a thing until they've got it into their bank. They'll not do nothing until they've got it covered and the money in their bank. Where is faith in that? Faith is stepping out, not knowing. And we stepped out. I remember the, the structure engineer saying to us, he wasn't a Christian, he says, Gordon, I'm £40 an hour. He's a lovely, lovely, very refined person. I've tried to do his accent, but I'm not very refined. And I'm £40 an hour. How are you going to pay all this bill, all these bills? I says, don't you worry, you'll get paid, but if you're £40 an hour, you work quick when you're working for us. <laughs> And he became a lovely friend, see, with the architect. He's a good friend. And everybody get paid. And the church, it was just amazing. And now that roof's on that church. And it doesn't leak. Now, why am I telling you that? God has got everything under control. And the problem is sometimes we struggle. We struggle in taking steps of faith and really believing that God can look after us. And God can take care of us. And I believe, as Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul knew God personally. 
And if we know and love the Lord and if we are a son or a daughter of him, we have nothing to worry about. He just wants us to live that life that glorifies him. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. And we want to live our life for his glory. He says, and to die is gain. And isn't that wonderful? That when we die, we're going to heaven. If you're saved, when you die, you're heading for heaven. Not for hell, but for heaven. That's beautiful. To know that when we die, it's only the beginning. We're going to live and rejoice in heaven where there's no more tears, where there's no more sorrow, where there's no more pain. I want to tell you, I think as Christians, we rob ourselves. Rob ourselves of the blessings of God. You know, because God wants to really do something amazing and mighty through our lives. And Paul was like this. He knew God personally. He knew the powerful touch of God upon his life. He did peace over his life because he knew when he died he was going to heaven. And we rob ourselves. Because we say we're only pilgrims passing through. But yeah, we get so entangled with the world and so caught up with the world. But when we keep our eyes focused on him and remind ourselves we are heading for home. We're only passing, we're only pilgrims passing through here and we're heading for heaven. That's where our home is. I want to finish by telling you about my mum. You hear me telling you she's an alcoholic. You hear me telling you that she was clinically depressed. My mum eh, was, a, was a, lo- a lovely singer. My mum, she was a really nice singer. But then the, the bruises and the bumps in life robbed her of her song. And she stopped singing. She just stopped singing. And uh, I remember uh, one of our neighbours, a man called Mr Lewis, says to my mum one day, Marion, we never hear you singing anymore. Because when you live in a block, the windows are open, folk hear you. And she says, Marion, we, we don't hear you sing anymore. And I say, the sweets of the devil robbed my mum of her song. Just uh, divorce, drink, depression. She just, she's bro- a broken person. She had stopped singing. And then what happened is, somebody told her about Jesus. Somebody told her about Jesus, and my mum gets saved and put her trust in the Lord, and her life completely changed. And know what happened? She got her song back. She started to sing because she knew the joy of Jesus. And uh, but maybe three years ago, you touched more, I was at a mission in, in um, uh, Barnard's Court, down heading towards Greenock Way. And uh, when I finished the mission, I got to uh, Wishaw General Hospital. My mum was in there, she was ill. And I stayed the whole night with my mum through the night and then go to the mission at night time and then go back after the mission. We knew my mum was dying. My big brother was there. My big sister was there and I was there. And uh, it was just amazing. My mum had a, had a beautiful death. It was absolutely wonderful the way she died. She died strong in God. Uh, my mum, I used to phone her up when I was a minister. And uh, I say, how are you doing today, mum? She suffered from uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Her hands were terrible. And she used to lie in her bed. That's where she got peace, lying in her bed. 
and she used to read her Bible. She says, wonderful, Gordon, I've just read the book of Acts, I'm, uh, the book of Matthew, I'm thinking of reading the book of Acts now. And I was a minister and I'd only read two chapters that morning. And here she was lying in her bed reading chapter after chapter, book after book. And when she was in the hospital, she was ill. And the doctor came in to give her medicine. And the doctor, I was there, and the doctor says, hey, my mum says to the doctor, hey, is that going to help me, that what you're giving me? And he says, oh, no, no, it's just to help you to calm down and that sort of stuff. Because that's fine, because I don't want anything that's going to help me. She wanted to die. My, ne my niece left one night, Pamela, at 12 o'clock, and she gave her a gran a kiss. Hey, good night, gran, love you, I'll see you in the morning. My mum says, I hope you don't see me in the morning, Pamela, I'm hoping to be dead. She just wanted to go home. She wanted to go to heaven. And what made the difference from this alcoholic who was depressed, who was broken because of life, now changed with a song in her heart and a spring in her step with confidence in God? What was the change? Conversion. That was the change. And it was absolutely beautiful. The morning she died, I read to her Psalm 23, held her hand and prayed for her. And after I prayed, she took about 12 breaths and she died. Absolutely. She had a beautiful death. Absolutely wonderful. Because God was in it. Now, if you're here and you know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, you have nothing to worry about. Because God goes before you. Not only before you, behind you, over you, and under you, and all around about you, and we have nothing to worry about. And as Paul says, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Let's remind ourselves, there's nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, that we need to worry about. All we need to do is surrender to him, and give everything over to him and we'll know the peace and the joy and the help and the strength of God day by day. Father we come before you and we do confess so often we struggle with stress so often we struggle with anxiety and so often we struggle with the, the cares of this world but as we come before you we think of your son, the Apostle Paul, your child, the Apostle Paul, who says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Give us a heart that wants to not just quote that, but give us a heart that wants to live like that. And we need your help, Lord. We pray for those who know you and love you. Help us to live for your glories. We walk into this week, Father, remind us no matter what happens, no matter what comes to our door, no matter what happens in our life, we just need to continue to look and keep on looking to you because you are able to help us in all our ways and in all our circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Gordon, for that word of encouragement. We're moving to the communion table shortly. Uh, we'll, Gordon will preside over it. We'll sing the first two verses of hymn number 780 as we come to the table. How deep the Father's love for us. <laughs> 